Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove 1972 Season Rewind Series. My name is Tom Baker, and we've had some real fun with these Season Rewind, kind of reminiscing, just going back and looking at what things were like 50 years ago in Oswego Speedway Super Modified action. And as we think about the 1972 season, we are now... For this show, reviewing race number six, and this is courtesy of uh, Joshua Sixberry, who is kind enough to snap the photos of Eagle Program number seven, which featured on the cover Red Barnhart. A lot to talk about just within the context of what we're about to go back and look at today a lot of interesting names interesting scenarios the 1972 season was very much a bit of a transitional i feel like in oswego speedway history if you think about where things were in 1972 we did still have a number of older super modifieds that were in competition of the upright style but we were really transitioning into the roadsters and if you look at who was dominating and who was winning at that time in 1972 you think about nolan swift as being the first um big name at the track he kind of built the track and he and some other drivers like irish jack murphy dominating the early part the 50s into the 60s the super modifieds coming along in the early 60s and you started to have some folks from Michigan and uh, places out of town. As you got into the later 60s, Jimmy Champagne picked up his first win uh, in, I think, what, 1967. And you had drivers like Todd Gibson that entered the fray and Kenny Andrews eventually and Bentley Warren at the end of the 60s with the immortal little deuce which already had a history prior to that. As we got into the 70s, Nolan Swift and Jimmy Champagne kind of became the dynamic duel. And they were uh, arch rivals who were best friends um, and really respected each other. And I think to a certain degree understood their position, if you will, as entertainers as much as any short track racers ever did and always kind of played that up and and uh, fed into that a little bit sort of reminds me of Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon and NASCAR you know the the to the fans the fan facing side of it um, you know that they, they kind of played up this arch rivalry and went back and forth taking playful shots at each other but in reality uh, the two of them had great respect for each other and even did a lot of business together um, and so it's fun to look at in 1972 the fact that Jimmy Champagne had, at least to a degree, taken control 
of the Speedway and kind of begun, I think, in 1970. He won the Classic and the Track Championship, and that was his first big year. Uh, 1971, Nolan Swift kind of came back, and and then in 72, um, it was very much Jimmy. Nolan retired for the first time <laughs> in early 1972. And as we get to this part of the season, Bobby Stelter is in the 10 pins. So if we, if we look at even just the cover boy, so to speak, uh, the driver on the cover of the program, Red Barnhart, another interesting story uh, in this photo because he is driving the number 66, which is owned by George Schofield at this point in time. Now, this car was a Holinsky chassis, one of several that uh, were competing at Oswego Speedway at that point in time. The most famous, of course, was the Holinsky house car, which was the 19 car that Jim Cheney drove. But this particular number 66, it wasn't so much at this moment in time that this car was famous. It became famous later on under different ownership with a different paint scheme and a different driver. This car was the car that was sold later. Now, I'll back up just half a step. Red Barnhart drove it for part of 1972, and then Red was let go. And in his place was Mike Losher. And at the end of that season, the car was sold, I believe, to uh, Dick Rayner. Mark Letcher actually drove the car in 1974 as the uh, 29 car. And I believe actually Schofield may have hung on to this car beyond uh, 72. I'm not sure. It might have run a little bit in 73 with Losher. But at any rate, it became the Dick Rayner number 29. It was a yellow car. Mark Letcher drove it, had a lot of good finishes with it. And then at the end of the 74 season, they made a change with this car, both in look and in pilot. And at the beginning of 1975, the car, which in this picture is numbered 66 and then became the number 29 when they sold it to Dick Rayner, had its third number of its lifetime. It was the number 76. And Dick Rayner and Roscoe Town talked Ronnie Wallace out of his brief retirement and into the 76 car. And we all know what happened that year in 1975 with that combination they ended up winning a track championship but here we are in 1972 red barnhart's behind the wheel of the car he's on the cover of the program and as we open the program and take a look to see who was the winner of race number six well you can guess right jimmy champagne now here's an interesting stat the headline says it all this was the spring championship race Champagne, spring champ by a full lap. Now, it does not explicitly refer to it in the uh, write-up about the race, but it appears by the headline that Jimmy actually lapped the field. I can't believe that, honestly. Jimmy, look, it, we, I, I know that circumstances in these races happen when you don't have many cautions, and you get a guy like Jimmy that's just really hooked up. He takes off, and the league gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But in this era, 
with all the competitive cars that we had racing at the Oswego Speedway, for any driver to win by an entire lap, to lap the field in a 50, sorry, 75 lap race is incredible. But that appears to be the case here, as best I can tell from the headline. So we'll read the story. Jimmy Champagne of Clay, New York, completely outclassed the entire 24-car field to take the checkered flag in the annual spring championship race last Saturday night here at the Oswego Speedway before a huge throng. I always love the use of words like that, a throng. (laughs) For his magnificent performance, Champagne collected a blazing $1,600 for the 75-lap affair. Mark Letcher in the 29, this is not obviously the car I just described. Uh, Mark Letcher in the 29 took off to the early lead and began opening up a sizable distance over the rest of the field. Coming from deep in the pack was the green machine of Champagne. In an unbelievable manner, Champagne diced his eight ball in and out of traffic and assumed the lead by lap nine. Think about that for a minute. How good, how strong was that car running that he goes from probably 18th starting spot to the lead in nine laps? On came Baldy Baker, Fred Graves, and Dow McLaren, with Baker making the only spirited rally to catch Champagne. But there was just no way. Baker held a comfortable second while Graves and McLaren put on a battle for third. Just shy of midway in the contest, Baker exited to the pit area with engine problems only to be followed shortly thereafter by Graves, who had overheating difficulties. The only race interruption came on lap 50 when a mass tangle evolved in the third turn. Almost involved with Champagne, but he drove clear to remain the race leader. Not so fortunate was Kemp Dates, Bruce Kraft, and Ron Buckner, who were running third, fourth, and fifth at the time. All three of those cars were towed to the infield. This moved Don McLaren up to second and Norm Macrath into third. When the race was restarted, Champagne just walked away with very few problems, very little position change in the remaining 25 laps, with maybe the exception of Macrath, who fell from third to sixth with tire difficulties. Down to the finish line came the eight ball of Jimmy Champagne, the spring championship winner. Don McLaren finished second in the Ed Bowie car five, picking up a fine $900 payoff. Brian Osgood turned in his best performance of the year, as well as Jimmy Winks, as they placed third and fourth, respectively. Brian took $700 with Jim grabbing off $550. Rounding out the top five was Rhett Lane and the 21 who won a $450 payoff. Now, I don't quite remember the 21. Uh, and and But I do remember the name Rat Lane. I never saw Rat race because I don't think he, he raced after that year and I didn't start going until 73. But Rat Lane, I believe that 21 might have been a Bill Height rear engine car. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody can, uh, can tell us. One of our audience can share it in the comments, but I believe that might have been a rear engine car. 
Other feature finishers in order were, here we go, and again, some of these names. Finishing sixth, Norm Macrath in the 40. Seventh, the 71 of Kenny Bartholomew. That's the Austin Brothers car. Eighth, the 90, Dick Dummigan's car, Ronnie Wallace. Ninth, the 29 of Mark Letcher. Tenth, the 96 of Den Wheeler. Eleventh was the four of Tommy Rose. Twelfth, the 80 of Ron Madison. Thirteenth, the 44 of Daryl Peckham. Fourteenth, the 28 of Kemp Dates. 15th, the 87, Bruce Kraft. 16th, the 93 of Baldy Baker. 7th, 17th, sorry, the 36, Ron Buckner. 18th, the 37, Freddie Graves. 19th, the 31 of Jim Gray. That car, by the way, later became the 81 of Ronnie McLeod. 20th, the 99 of Jeff Bodine. 21st, the 10 of Bobby Stelter. 22nd, the 04, Gary Nickerson. 23rd, the 30 of Simon, Sammy Carista, and 24th, the cover boy, the 66 of Red Barnhart. Heats were taken by Red Barnhart, Freddie Graves, and Baldy Baker with the semis going to Norm Macrath and Freddie Graves. The Concy was taken by Bob Stelter. Imagine that. Poor Bobby. He, he just didn't have a great time um, in the 10 pins, did he? We'll see uh, how that progresses as we continue on future season rewind shows and as we flip the page we are well meet new driver rat lane so now we're going to figure out hopefully whether i'm right about this 21 car so we're going to step aside for a moment when we come back we will talk more about race number six volume number seven of the oswego speedway eagle is our special inside groove 1972 season rewind series continues right after this Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice-cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it, served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove Season Rewind. 1972 is the season that we are rewinding to 50 years ago. Actually, technically, we're recording this in early 2023, so it's 51 years ago, but that's okay. Uh, We are looking at program number seven, Eagle program number seven, Red Barnhart on the cover with the George Schofield 66, and we just reviewed the feature race action from the previous week which would be race number six jimmy champagne lapping the field and rat lane finishing in the top five with the number 21 now i said that i had thought this was a bill height rear engine car and lo and behold we flipped the page of the eagle program and 
here's a special feature story on Rat Lane. And it will tell you that I'm half right. Here's what it says. Last week, a new car and driver combination appeared at the Oswego Speedway and they quickly became the talk of the night. The driver of the super unique Roadster number 21 is Rhett Lane of Pritchard, Alabama. Rhett is single and is occupied as a professional race car driver. We can stop right there for a moment because when I say that he's from Pritchard, Alabama, what does that tell you? That tells you that in 1972, super modifieds were much more prevalent across the country than they are now. And it's really amazing to think about that. Rat started racing back in 1963, driving a hobby and late model around tracks in Alabama. In 1967, he made the big switch to the Super Modifieds. He's won several features over the years and has become one of the top men on the Southern Circuit. The two main tracks Rat and the 21 have competed at this season are in Jackson, Mississippi and Houston, Texas. How about that? They are both half-mile paved ovals. The number 21 is owned by an old veteran of the racetracks, Bill Height of Jackson, Alabama. You get the feeling there's a Jackson in every southern city. I haven't found Jackson, North Carolina yet, but there is a Jackson, Mississippi, a Jackson, Tennessee, and a Jackson, Alabama. But I digress. Bill is employed as a research engineer for the Vanity Fair Corporation. He has built about a dozen race cars, many of which have seen action here at Oswego. He built the Armand Holly Car 54, the Dick Johnson Car 57, which Skip Manning piloted here opening day this year. In fact, he built three cars alone for Bill Port, the owner of Holly's 54. There are about three more of his creations being raced down in the south. Now, this car is not a rear engine. And in fact, if you look at the car, and this really blows my mind, if you look at the car, the motor is literally right in front of the driver. And when I say right in front, it is right in front of the driver. Um, it's really crazy. But but listen to this. The current height creation features four-wheel drive independent suspension. It's very, very light and sports a small block 350 Chevy power plant. Now, there's there's some topic for discussion right there. First of all, let's start with the beginning, four-wheel drive. So even as far back, and I think it, it probably even goes farther back than that, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Tony Lovati cars, which I think Height built a couple of those, but maybe not. I know Todd Gibson was building cars as well, and I know he drove them. But I think at least one of those was four-wheel drive back in like 1970 or 71, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the, the fact that this was a four wheel drive, now you can add independent suspension to it, right? How many times over the years, over the decades, have we kind of gone back and forth between independent solid axle, independent solid axle, and even, you know, independent was outlawed for a little while now, obviously it's back, but, um, and it's very, very light as I think most all of the height cars were and it's a small block and you think about that a little bit and think about well why would he run a small block instead of a big block well you know again as we look in 2023 and you see um you you see spec motors or crate motors versus built motors 
at, you know, at some of the late model tracks or whatever in some of those divisions, um, you know, modifieds, things like that. It's sort of the same principle in that a small block can work as well as a big block if the track is right. Now, a swiggle would feel to me like a kind of a big track to try and make a small block compete against a big block at that point in time, just because, um, again, you know, the motors were basically wide open. Horsepower was unlimited, all of that. And it's a big five eighths mile track. However, um, you know, perhaps in a, as a momentum kind of thing, you know, maybe you, uh, worry less about spinning the tires, you know, getting all that extra horsepower in the big block to the ground, Maybe the small block actually makes it a little bit easier to drive and to keep the speed up through the corners. Who knows? But just a lot of, um, I think that that little description right there of this car um, says a lot about where we were in sort of car diversity, you know, and innovation in 1972. As far as super modifieds go, pretty crazy. The car was built to be raced with a large wing set high above the driver roll cage, but according to a swig of rules, the wing is illegal for use around the big five ace mile track. With Bill finding two weeks vacation on his agenda, it was decided to head north to compete against the top stars at the top tracks. Both Rat and Bill really liked the Oswego Oval. Rat also states, People here in Oswego are really great. They treat us real nice. I'd like to live here, but in the wintertime, I'd rather be laying at the beach instead of shoveling snow. Yeah, me too. They should be back at Oswego tonight after taking a fine fifth place finish last week in the 75-lap spring championship. Then they'll miss the action in Oswego until classic time this September. We hope to see Rat and Bill once again with their Roadster 21 and only wish they could compete here on a more regular basis as they would help to make our races a lot more exciting. It's really interesting. Like I've, like I said, to think about the, where super modifieds were, you know, in the, in the racing landscape back in that time versus where they are now. And, you know, it, it would, it would even be a more interesting discussion to think about, how that all happened and why it contracted so much, um, you know, why they disappeared. It's, it's crazy to me to think that a division that was so diverse and so open in terms of engineering and all of that innovation. And, and it was really almost a run what you brung class in those days. You know, why, why did it fall off the map? So to speak in most parts of the country, um, interesting to, to contemplate that now, um, in this particular program that Josh Sixberry now owns, he had, uh, Jimmy Champagne in the racing game and Jim Cheney. Now that would have seemed like the recipe for a, uh, potential winning combination there for a free pass, but, um, not, not seeing that, um, and here may be why. And, uh, as soon as I can get to the right page here, let's go to 
Ivor the driver reports, and I'll tell you exactly why I say that. Oh, I don't see it. Oh, wow. I thought I saw in this program. Um, nope, he didn't give me Ivor. That's okay. Um, so we missed Ivor the driver reports here, or maybe there wasn't one in this program. Let's go to um, testing your memory. I was the, the reason I was thinking why that may not have been a winning combination is because in the next program, which Larry Trinka has uh, fed me for the next Season Rewind show that we'll have, uh, which would have only been a week later. There was some talk about the Holinsky cheney car being sold. So um, that may be why perhaps that program didn't win. But we'll see the following week what uh, what happens with both of those drivers, or at least in the feature event. Okay, so next page. How keen is your memory? There's a picture here of the uh, little deuce with, uh, and it says this. Uh, it was the fall championship in 1966, and after trying many drivers to fill the shoes of the late Ron Lux, Howard Purdy chose to give young Bentley Warren from Gloucester, Gloucester Mass a try. This was Bentley's first win in the deuce at Oswego. Presenting the trophy was... Um, and in quote in parentheses at the time, Jimmy Champagne's girlfriend Leona. Now she's Mrs. Champagne and the proud mother of a little girl born about a month ago. <laughs> and of course, we know that they had. Uh, I think that would have been Cerise. Uh, let's see, Jill and Chad came along later. Uh, next picture to the right of it. It was the 1966 International Classic Consolation Race. Don McLaren in the Flying Five loops his machine in the resulting tangle. The late Bobby Smith, wow, interesting, driving the car number four, rammed the wall and was knocked out momentarily. Smith was trying to qualify the four after his own car, the Knowles 26, which he set a front row time with, blew an engine during Sunday warmups. They managed to get a new engine in the 26 right at the track, and Smith was able to take a few laps before pulling out. He finished 40th in the 66 Classic. That is a bummer. Talk about, and that's, you know, back then, um, boy, classic weekend could be just cool. How many times did we see a driver crash on Friday, come back on Saturday, and, you know, time trial either really well or really bad, and then have to go through the uh, what some people called the wacky races uh, on Sunday, the last chance events, the heats and the semifinal or the concy, whatever you want to call it, um, became the Bug Light B main. You have to go through all that just to get in the classic. And, and boy, the, the, you know, we probably could do at least a good portion of the show of a show about just that. The drivers who, you know, classic weekend and drivers who kind of rode the roller coaster, right? That's... Um, you know, it's an interesting, it was, it could be a brutal weekend sometimes. Okay. Testing your memory. Here's the quiz. Again, this is from 1972. So younger, those of you who are younger and listening to this, just, uh, you might learn some question one, who drove the silver car 113 during the 1965 racing season? I didn't know a swiggle. I guess I do know that a swiggle at one point allowed triple numbers. I'm glad they stopped. Answer, Sammy Carista, current pilot of the Purple People Eater, number 30. Question two, this driver hails from Cicero, New York. Who is he? Jimmy Winks. 
Question three, this driver's wife's name is Gladys. Who is her husband? Baldy Baker. Question four, uh, he finished second in the 1965 International Classic. Answer, Jim Gressley, piloting the 18. Question number five, who won the 1968 USAC Sprint Car Race held at the Oswego Speedway? Did you know? that there was a USAC sprint car race held at Oswego Speedway back in that era. I did, but obviously I wasn't there. Um, the answer is actually Mario Andretti and the AJ Watson special number two. And I believe that Mario's brother Aldo also was competing in that, um, in that event. Number six, question six. He was the first Canadian driver to ever win a feature at Oswego. Who was he and what year did it occur? Think about this one a minute. You've got a couple of reasonable choices here, but the correct answer is Storm and Norman Macrath, pilot of the new Toronto Rocket. Uh, number 40, he got his win in 1964. That was the first time a Canadian driver won. At the Big O, question number seven. He was awarded the 1971. Well, <laughs> it leaves out the word rookie, but I think we're supposed 1971 of the year honors is what it literally says. But I think it, it's supposed to be rookie of the year. Who was he and what car does he pilot? <laughs> the answer is Ronnie Madison of uh, Scribe of New York who uh, pilots at that point, the number 80. And I think he won it uh, driving the old Swift convertible car, that that uh, white number. Well, it was the 10 when Swift had it. He, he took, when the Supers came in, he took the body off his modified sportsman car and basically ran it like that for quite a while. And uh, Ron Madison ended up with it. I think, I think uh, Dick Jarrett, Junior maybe had it for a bit. And Jim Muldoon drove it, and then um, Ronnie Madison bought it. He won. I think that's the car he won the Rookie of the Year honors with in 1971. And then Ronnie Graves got into it. I remember Ronnie driving it in 1973. Um, so Madison might have had that for a couple of years, and uh, then put Graves in it. That was I don't know if it was Ron's first ride, but it might have been. Uh, cause I was thinking that somewhere he might've jumped into Freddie's number 92 car that Freddie had there for a while. Um, but I'm not sure, but at any rate, uh, that I believe was the car that he won the 71 rookie of the year honors in question. Number eight, this former Canadian driver is the current owner of Delaware speedway. Somehow I didn't know this Jack greedy. Interesting. Okay. Uh, question nine. In 1969, this driver was seriously injured in a fiery crash in Oswego's first turn when driving a car he borrowed for the night. Who was he and what car was he driving that night? The answer is Tommy York out of South Bend. And let's see here. He was driving uh, South Bend, Indiana, by the way. He was driving the John Casey 88 car. 
Interesting. Okay. And uh, question 10, the last question, when this fire accident occurred, which driver went to his aid and actually saved this driver from further injury? And the answer is our cover boy, Red Barnhart. Good job, Red. Okay. So we move along to the next, and it's the You Don't Say page. I love these uh, again, if you're listening to this for the first time and you've never seen an Eagle program from back in the day, they used to have a page called you don't say they would put candid shots of drivers talking to drivers or crew members or whatever from the pits. And they would make up captions that sometimes were funny, but always meant to be. <laughs> so here's the, here's the uh, first one. Kenny Andrews talking to a crewman. This dad blamed car has given me nothing but problems this season. I guess I'll have to resurrect the old 55. It didn't give him problems for too much longer. <laughs> Kenny had a good couple of years after that with that car. Uh, Ron Buckner talking to a crew member, leaning down, kind of squatting behind the car. Says Ron Buckner, you know, maybe it's the new steel rim glasses. I assume that was... Uh, a que- that was a caption relating to the fact that he suddenly found a bunch of speed. Uh, here's one says rat lane to a gentleman. These northerners may talk funny, but man, they sure could drive a race car. And yeah. How many times did we, uh, did, did people gently pick on drivers like rat and skip Manning, who was from, what was it? Bogalusa, Louisiana. See Bogalusa could only be in Louisiana. It, it, it wouldn't like Bogalusa, New York just wouldn't make sense. Um, but, uh, again, the, you know, the, the accents and the fact there are people down here who tell me I have a New York accent. So I correct them and say, I don't have a New York accent says Ralph Denson. What's the matter with Ivor anyway? He still hasn't predicted me for a top five finish yet. Now, Again, if you remember Ralph Denson's history in a super modified. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Um, the big question. Tonight is championship night. We're getting our trophy presenters lined up. Who would you want to present you a trophy after a long, hard race? Now, again, you're asking a bunch of grown men race car drivers who they'd want to present them with a trophy, right? So here's the answers. Den Wheeler, my wife. Good answer, Denny. Bruce Kraft, everybody that helped me win the trophy. Now, see, that's, I love that. Great idea. Baldy Baker, have an appreciation night with handicapped children presenting the trophies. Now, that's a cool idea. That would be a cool idea in 2023. I love that. Jimmy Winks. I can't say my wife may read the paper. <laughs> uh, Ron Buckner, the guy I outran to get it. Oh boy. That's, that's harsh. Freddie Graves, Harry Caruso with his checkbook. <laughs> Jim Gray, my wife, naturally kept to dates, pick out the best looking girl in the stands. Hey, Faye. Ray Sand, Jimmy Champagne, because he's one of the best. Now, that's interesting. You would want another driver. Bob Jodoyne, Marg Macrath. 
Brian Osgood, I wouldn't care. Skip Manning, my girlfriend. Jim Champagne, my wife, it's the only safe answer. See, he was always thinking that man. Don McLaren, my wife. Daryl Peckham, my mechanic's mother. Urs Moore. Must be Jamie's mom. How cool is that? Sam Carista, anybody, I just want to win. Mark Letcher, Raquel Welch in a bikini and a bottle in her hand. Oh, boy. We know where Mark's mind was most of the time, right? Jack Murphy, my wife, Ken Andrews, Dick O'Brien. Now, I sense there was a story there, but uh, anyway, we have a page uh, with all of the trophy presentations. Uh, and then we go to expressing your views. And let's see if I can read this here. Um, gentlemen, thank you for your cooperation last week and help in showing my roadster, which I still desire to sell. I was certainly impressed by your efficiently run track and wonderful racing. In fact, after just the one night, I'm firmly convinced it is at Oswego that our racer belongs. Therefore, I've left the car at my sister-in-law's home as she lives near Binghamton. This will make it easier for interested parties to inspect it. Now, the problem is to contact those parties who would be interested, and hopefully your association will help me. Enclosed are a few copies of the specs and information on the car, plus the address and telephone number. Uh, let's see. Could one of those be placed? One of these be placed where drivers or owners could read them or copies given to those whom you feel would be interested. My wife, uh, said your programs were great. Could an article or ad be placed in them? If so, please bill me at the above address. Unfortunately, we're leaving for personal reasons for Florida tomorrow. We will of course keep in touch with the, uh, with the babykins. It appears that says, and are hoping for a quick sale. Thank you again. Very truly yours, George C. Becker. Now I read that because here's, here's the interesting. And now we're going to, the, the speedway put the details of the car in here. So here's what he was selling for sale offset Indy roadster from 1961. Meskowski built it's a Watson copy championship equipment throughout all torsion, three inch open Halibrand rear, uh, Franklin ventilated disc front, new in and out box knockoffs, completely rebuilt this uh, December of 1971. IMCA registered in 1972. That's interesting. Set a new track record and won 300 lap Golden Gate Speedway, Tampa, Florida, on December 21st of 71. It was a third mile asphalt driven by Jimmy Riddle with 312 Chevy. Now has 366 Chevy Hillborn in it. Uh, I think that's, I don't know if it's VTEX or VTEX roller rocker, new TRW pistons with broken crank and probably block H and M cam new room for new room for big block four wheel trailer, electric brakes included 6,000 or best offer. When this car was overhauled, the frame was magnifluxed, old brackets and old welds removed. It was then sandblasted and repainted. As it was reassembled, all wires, cables, and hosers, hose, hosers, hoses <laughs> were, <laughs> were replaced with new. Um, hosers would be appropriate if you were talking about a Canadian car, right? Uh, the front brakes were replaced with the new Franklin ventilated disc brakes. 
So what an interesting car. Um, it says our mechanic, Harry Campbell, whose opinion we respect, felt that anyone buying the car would want his own engine. Um, we therefore dropped in a motor that is too large for our Florida tracks, not assembled and with a broken camshaft. There are many parts that could be used. The car can be expected, inspected at the following address. It gave the address of now, obviously, give it here. Um, so how interesting. You know, again, just this is what was in the program 50 years ago in 1972. Um, okay, we're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll have the, um, we'll talk about Red Barnhart, read the feature article on him, and tell you about the point standings going into the next race, which we will cover on the next Season Rewind show. We'll be back to wrap things up here right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision and your budget into a workable, high performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to Inside Groove 1972 Season Rewind. We are reviewing volume number seven of the Oswego Speedway Eagle, which is from race number six, because obviously it always talks about the racing the weekend before. So Jimmy Champagne lapped the field to win, apparently to win the feature that particular week. And we have reviewed all of the pertinent uh, articles and news in the program. Uh, thanks to Joshua Sixberry for providing uh, the the uh, photos of the pages so that we could do this. Uh, we are going to talk about the feature story about the cover boy, Red Barnhart. And uh, we will also uh, look at the point standings to round things out here. So here we go away from the track with Red Barnhart. Since the 1965 racing season, one of the most colorful personalities and hard charging drivers has come to us in the form of Red Barnhart of Binghamton, New York. The old redhead more, uh, is 34 years of age, the current pilot of the Blue George Schofield Special number 66. Red and his very charming wife, Nora, have four children, Karen, Stan, Mark, and Tammy. During the week, Red is employed as truck driver around the Binghamton area. Leon, which is Red's real name, there's a trivia question for you. Went to high school in Montrose, Pennsylvania, where it seemed all of his attention was set on cars, cars, cars. He would always be monkeying around with cars and the engines. Soon after, he was off to the races. Auto racing started for Red Beck in the 1957 season when he participated at the Five Mile Point Speedway and Susquehanna Speedway driving an old dirt track coupe. 
Red ran the dirt tracks until 1961 when he began driving an asphalt modified around New York State Ovals. But that lasted only about 10 races when Red became extremely interested in the super modifieds. From 1961 until 1964, he ran his super at the Shangri-La Speedway when they quit running supers in 1965. What were they thinking? Red headed right to Oswego. He first appeared here with his white Colt 45, which he ran for two years before jumping into the Wallace Chevy 66 owned by Dick Wallace of Ohio. With this machine, Red won the first feature ever at Oswego, taking the 1967 fall championship race. Since that time, Red has always been one of the boys to watch. Being one of the more popular drivers to compete at Oswego, Red has a large following behind him. He always has time to talk with his fans, especially the children. Red's motto in life is live for today. Meeting this fine individual, you'll see how he loves, uh, how he lives uh, to his thoughts. Red's favorite food is a charcoal broiled steak with his most, (laughs) whose isn't, right? With his most favorable drink being rolling rock. Wow, I didn't realize that was that old. His favorite television show is he. Mainly because of Lisa Todd. No explanation needed. (laughs) That was a great show. Red's favorite color is red. (laughs) I I was trying to find a quick joke there. Just the brain wouldn't work. Um, But wife Nora quickly states he can't wear it because he looks terrible in red. Nora's nickname for red is pumpkin. She has often stated, aren't pumpkins orange? Just, Just asking. She has often stated she loved to paint his helmet orange and put a green stem on it. Red naturally disapproves of this. When asked what his greatest moment in racing was, Red said the night I turned fastest time won my heat semi and then the feature race. Red referred to opening day in 1968 here at Oswego when he completely dominated the race card. Red's ride for the 1972 racing season is the Schofield Special Car 66 owned by George Schofield of Binghamton. The crew consists of John Mooney, Kenny King, Jerry Bennett, Gene Heath, and Dick Disbro. The car is a Helensky-built frame and chassis and an identical twin to the Jim Cheney Car 19. So far this season, they've had problems getting the car handling, but each week it runs better and better. Red, Red took the first heat last week looking mighty fine. So things are really beginning to take shape for Red and the 66. We'd like to wish this team all the very best of luck possible and hope to see that sleek, sharp blue number 66 in the feature winner's circle real, (laughs) real soon. Not just soon, but real soon. Okay. Um, Again, we know that later on he was replaced by Mike Losher. So um, just an interesting side note. Okay, the official point standings. So let's look at where we are at the end of six races in the 1972 season. We'll look at the point standings because this will set the table for our next Season Rewind show, which will be about volume eight of the program, um, race number seven. So here we go. Official point standings. Guess who's leading? Jimmy Champagne with 517. Don McLaren is second with 449. Big Daddy had a fine season in 1972 with the Flying Five, for sure. Uh, Baldy Baker third in the 93 with 342 points. Fourth in points, the 40 of Norm Macra, 311. 
Fifth, the 37 of Freddie Graves, 214. Sixth, the 59 of Jim Winks with 170. Seventh, the 28 of Kempton Dates, 149. Eighth, the 72, Doug Sire, 132. Ninth, the 55 of Kenny Andrews with 127. And tenth, the 09 of Flying Brian Osgood with 120. 11th is Jim Cheney in the 19 with 114. Twelfth is Bob Stelter in the 10 pins with 100. Thirteenth is the 03 of Ali Silva with 86. He's tied with Jeb Bodine at this point in the season, who also has 86. Uh, then Bernie Grant, Rat Lane, Bruce Craft, Ron Madison, Den Wheeler, Ken Bartholomew, Tommy Rose, Ronnie Wallace, Daryl Peckham, Johnny Logan in the Max Dowker 7, Jim Gray, Mark Letcher, Todd Gibson, Russ Gray in the 85, Bob Seelman in the 74, Ron Buckner in the 36, Harold Brown in the 79, Jack Murphy in the, the Shamrock 13, Jim Muldoon in the Nick Virgo 23, Bill Rouse in the 24 from Canada, Sam Carista in the 30, Ray Sand, or Sands, as it says in the program, uh, in the Sweet 16 of Steve Miller, Nick Rowe in the 12, that's the Claire Trierweller car out of Michigan. Uh, Leon Barnhart, as opposed to Red, our cover boy in the 66, way down there, just 10 points. Gosh. George Boss in the 33. Ron McLeod in the 91. That would be his sprint car, I think. And Rapid Ralph Denson in the 67 with eight points. So there's your standings, and that is where we leave off here with our 1972 season rewind. We hope you have enjoyed this look at week number six of race action going into week number seven which we will pick up from or with in the next oswego speedway 1972 season rewind thanks to our sponsors jeff west and ipc indy sean cathcart lagroff's pub and skips fish fry uh mobile truck food truck and, of course, uh, also the pit concessionaire at the Oswego Speedway and Rich Worth with JNS Paving. Until next time on the Oswego Speedway Season Rewind, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.